0: THN is brought to you by Legend Comics and Coffee in Omaha, Nebraska. And by listeners like you. Go to TwoHeadedNerd.com and click Donate. Or visit Patreon.com backslash TwoHeadedNerd to become
1: a supporter.
2: Our story this week picks up where we left off last week.
0: Broadcasting from the cigarette at Omaha, deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to Episode 5. Hundred and eighteen of the two-headed nerd
1: comic book podcast. Nerds, my name is Matt Bob, and I'm the Internet's Joe Patrick. In this week's Valentine's Day episode, we're loving up eight of Wednesday, February thirteenth, new comics with spotlight reviews on Avengers, Ain't No Road Home No More, and The Return of the Wonder Twins. Then it's down to the THN
0: Sanctum Sanctorum, where we're going to hit you with our must-read picks for next Wednesday, and finally. We'll be feeling the love this week, so get ready for our Top 5 Comic Book
2: Couples.
1: (laughs) Archie Comics has made two new hires in an expansion of its film and television operations. Archie has hired former BBC executive Shaban Bachman as senior vice president of film and television and Cobra Kai producer. Cobra Kai is great, by the way. It is great. Matthew Lottman as head of development and production with an aim to expand on Archie's current television slate of Riverdale, the chilling adventures of Sabrina, and the in development Katie Keene. Are we ready for a Katie Keene show? Like, is America
0: ready for Katie Keene? I don't think anyone can be ready for a Katie Keene show. I don't know who Katie Keene is. I'm going to be. She's a model. She's a supermodel
1: in the Riverdale universe. Okay. In the Archie
0: universe. All right. The Riverdale universe.
1: Well, I mean, she has not appeared in the Riverdale cinematic universe yet. (laughs) I got you. (laughs) Uh, This is, of course, with more unspecified projects for TV and film, including... Potential projects based on Archie's dark circle superhero universe. I don't know if we need that. Oh, I think we do. Do we? The comics yeah, didn't even sell very well. And they very sporadically came out at best. Well, they came out from DC for a while. DC had yeah. the rights to the characters. Yeah. And then Archie got them back, and then they put out that Black Hood comic for a while. Yeah. I don't remember them doing anything else. I think that's... Oh, no, they did The Shield. Yeah, they did. They did. Oh, no, you're right. They did, they did The cru- Crusaders. Yeah, they did a bunch. Yeah, it just didn't come out on time. I don't yes, think. it did. It just came out from Archie, so you weren't paying attention. Uh, There's a bunch of quotes here that nobody cares about, but uh, their mention of Dark Circle TV and film projects as the first announcement of any projects based specifically on these Dark Circle characters. Uh, For those of you that don't know, Dark Circle is an extension of Archie's Red Circle superhero comic book imprint. Not confusing at all.
0: Yeah, the red circle was Archie's vigilante group that was going after the guy that shot Pops and his dad.
1: Yeah, on Riverdale. <laughs> uh, and they encompass characters such as the Fox, the Web, the Shield, the Mighty Crusaders, and the aforementioned Black Hood. Okay, uh, so the Fox was Mark Wade, and I can't remember who drew it. Uh, Dean Haspiel. Dean Haspiel. That was
0: really good. Yeah, yeah. But mm-hmm. that only happened at DC. They did that. Didn't no. That Archie happened at.
1: Now that I'm thinking about it, no, it, thinking, it happened at Archie. Did it? It, it wasn't okay. at DC, yeah.
0: We also saw The Shield and The at Web.
1: We saw The Shield and The Web at DC. And then uh, they did another Shield book at okay. Archie. Right. They didn't do another Web book, I don't think. But they did. I don't think uh, They did sold the Crusaders really well. books. But then again, I don't know, maybe you give them a TV push and they will. I don't care about how well they sold. Based on the success of the Archie TV stuff so far, I am all for it. I mean, if they're going to do it. A- well, great. I'm just
0: not real excited. And I think Archie works on TV the way they're doing it because it's his take on Archie. This is just another superhero show. How are they going to set this apart? Because, like, what if you look at what they did with Archie and what they did with Sabrina and whatever they're going to do with Katie Keene? They really took these characters and edged them way up. I mean, are sure. we going to get another edgy superhero show? I don't know, man. Like, yeah.
1: to make Roberto Aguirre-Sacasa the Kevin Feige of the Archie Cinematic Universe.
0: Then they have to go the opposite way. Like, the web becomes a musical. And the Fox <laughs> becomes, like, a rom-com, you know? Like, it becomes what we thought sure, Archie yeah. was going
1: to be. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's fun, and I think that Archie is... Uh, at least two for two so far. Yeah. In no, their
0: TV. They're doing great. And if these are experiments. if these are good, then cool. I'll check them out. I just can't say I'm really I don't have anything in my heart for any of these characters.
1: Oh, I've always kind of had a soft spot for these characters. Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Dork. Joe Patrick, Why the Last Man is finally moving forward. Brian K. period Vaughn's beloved comic series, Why the Last Man, is finally coming to a screen, not a big screen. A A screen. A screen. Yes. FX on Monday announced it has picked up its TV adaptation to the series. The network has handed out a series order for the drama from showrunner Michael Green, also known for his work on American Gods. Didn't like it. Blade Runner 2049. Really liked it. And Logan. Loved it. And starring Dunkirk's Barry Keoghan. I think it's pronounced Keegan. Keegan? Yeah, yeah probably that's what it's I'm like going weird for. Weird Irish spelling he or He's kind of super Irish, yeah. yeah. Diane Lane, and Diane Lane. Huh. It's expected to premiere in 2020. Diane's going to be mom, obviously. Obviously, president mom, yeah. Yeah, she's great. Why the Last Man ranks as one of the most critically acclaimed comic book series of all time. The DC comic slash Vertigo title was first launched way back in 2002. Damn. I think I was 39, and revolves around Yorick Brown, who's going to be played by Keegan, and the last surviving human with a Y chromosome and his capuchin monkey ampersand. The series follows escape artist Yorick after a mysterious plague as he sets out to find out what might have wiped out the male chromosome. Why The Last Man, written and created by Vaughn and artist Pierre Guerrero, ran for 60 issues, has been collected in multiple graphic novels. They give you so many different chances to buy this one. You should read
1: it. It's in hardcover. It's It's in trades. It's so goddamn good.
0: Vaughn told The Hollywood Reporter in November 2017 that he didn't want to find someone who loved the source material but didn't feel so indebted to it that they would be afraid to change it. That worries me a little bit. Why? Because sometimes it's good, sometimes it's Preacher. People like Preacher. Some people like Preacher. I understand they do, but I would argue those people that like Preacher didn't read the real book. Okay. That's... That is an unfair statement. That's that's what I do here, okay? When Green first pitched his take to Nina Jacobson and me, this is Vaughn still talking, a long time ago, he came in saying he wanted to do something about toxic masculinity. It felt very relevant, and unfortunately, I think it's only become more relevant with each passing day. No shit. His take on it was really brave and very different, but exciting as well. I really admire how audacious he's been with his translation.
1: So they were saying uh, there were some interviews with Green, and he's like, Yeah, my whole opinion on how this series could go down changed the day Donald Trump got elected. (laughs) Because, oh boy.
0: (laughs) You know, there was a lot of unfair criticism of this book not too long ago as well, where some people said that it was written from a male point of view and there's no way the Earth would just like fall into chaos like this. And I would argue that's horseshit. It doesn't matter. It
1: has nothing to do with women being in charge. It has something to do with like 50% of the population, yeah, 48 to 53% of the population right.
0: disappearing. Is yeah. The sorry. Issue.
1: Guess That's what? Boys and girls, 90% of the government of America <laughs> right. is gone. That is a problem. It has nothing to do with who's left. It no. could have been 90% of random people. But I think this FX
0: is a great place for this. I'm so much happy. Really? To you don't have anything
1: that. to say about how, uh, here's what I worry about. FX is
0: getting bought. It's going to Disney. It's part of that Disney deal. So we don't know what the future of FX is. Is it going to be around? Are they keeping it? Yeah, FX is... They're not going to just, like, cancel FX the network. Rename it or bring it in or put all this stuff on Hulu? They're gonna I mean,
1: be, it's, it's going to be called know.
0: Disney FX. <laughs> I mean, we just, we don't know what the future of FX is
1: right I, now. I think that it will continue as an ongoing concern on, on cable television. I mean,
0: <laughs> we'll see, I guess. Unless they decide it's going to make more money on Hulu or something.
1: So, uh, the it's been a pretty fascinating journey for this uh, property. It was optioned way back in 2007. Uh, FX put the adaptation in development in late 2015, so eight years later. After Vaughn finally reacquired the rights to the franchise following a yeah, lengthy there, waiting period. There was going to be a movie. There was all kinds of New talk. Line Cinema, which is a which is a, uh, also owned by Time Warner. Right. The people uh,
0: that brought us Nightmare on Elm Street.
1: Yes. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, whenever I saw the New Line Cinema logo show up on TV, uh, I knew it was time to leave the room. Yeah, because it was going to be a scary. Freddy Krueger. Right? <laughs> back in the day, it was all horror and yeah. garbage. Uh, yeah, they wanted to make a movie. And Vaughn was like, no, guys. Uh, And so he finally got the rights back in 2015 when FX put it in development. And now, four years later, five years by the time it comes out, we're finally getting something. Good lord. I'm excited. I think it's going to be great. Um, I think Barry Keegan looks very peculiar. Yeah, he's a different looking guy, but I'm okay with that. Yeah, yeah, no. he. Like, Yorick wasn't
0: supposed to be like super Yeah, I mean, this sexy, is not a slam. Dude. He's not like an uggo or anything. He's kind he's of just, a weirdo, though.
1: He he has a very distinct look. Yeah, he's a weirdo. Um, But yeah, I'm, I'm interested in this big time. I think Diane Lane is great. I'm way more worried about the ampersand casting. I mean, I'm
0: going to have to see a lot of monkeys before they get this one right.
1: I just hope they don't cast a really well-known monkey, you yeah, know? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Not some monkey that's going to overplay the part and steal the show, give, you know? give it to some young and hungry up-and-comer. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. Enough of this TV and movie bullshit, Joe
1: Patrick. We're yeah, to talk yeah. about comic books. In comic book news, David F. Walker, the writer, is launching his own comic book company called- well, Not David F. Walker, The Stuntman. Right. Or David F. Walker, The Shortstop. Right, Yeah. <laughs> Is launching his own comic book company called
0: Solid Comics with an X. Oh, man. We're back to that. Yeah. I thought we were out of that.
1: (laughs) No, no, no. Through his company, Walker intends to self-publish various creator-owned limited series and original graphic novels beginning with the five-issue wrestling series, One Fall, by Walker and artist Brett Weldell. Here's a quote from Walker. I'm still working with other publishers and have several major projects coming out over the next several years. But there are also projects that I want to do which, for a variety of reasons, simply make more sense to publish myself. Which means nobody else will publish it. (laughs) Man, you're cynical. I know what's going on! (laughs) For those of you that don't know, my writing career began in 1996 with the self-published zine Badass Mofo. He's got a thing for X's and Z's. Yeah, he sure does. Not only did Badass Mofo contain my first published comic book work, it it was also my introduction to the comic industry. Every great professional opportunity I've had sprang from the work I did as a self-publisher, and that's why I'm getting back to my self-publishing roots with Solid Comics. What's
0: next? Comics.
1: One Fall is scheduled to debut this spring, followed by The Hated with artist Sean Damien Hill. For those of you that aren't super familiar with his work, Walker currently co-writes does he co-write?
0: I believe he's co-writing it. Naomi, but at I, DC. I think he's taking it over. Maybe he's like scripting. Yeah, no, like Bendis is Bendis and him are co-writing the first uh, arc, and then he becomes the main. Writer. Okay,
1: yeah, it's very good. Naomi from DC, it's great, superb from Lion Forge's Catalyst Prime imprint, and also very good. The creator-owned title Bitter Root from also Image, very good. I like David Walker a lot. He also wrote a lot of Luke Cage stuff from Marvel. Yeah. He also teaches comic writing at Portland State That's with a, a job new you class can get paid to do that. That's right. His new class is scheduled to begin in spring 2020. Sorry for you people that are going to college in 2019. Dumb butt. <laughs> yeah, US butts. Yeah. Uh, you ass butts. I like David Walker. I think this is great. I love it when these guys kind of branch out and do their own career, well, own I stuff. Think it's cool.
0: He's heating up and he's got like some serious power right now, and he's taking it. And he's bringing guys up with him and self-publishing some stuff and saying we're gonna do it this way. And I'm gonna do it with people I know. And that's
1: cool. It's I just rock. hope he doesn't get lost in the shuffle. You know, there's a lot of stuff in the back half of that previews catalog. No, it's true, and, and that's
0: part of the. I just hope he's able rub, to. I know? just hope
1: he's able to like distinguish himself yes. and get ahead of the pack. I agree because I think he's super talented, and I am interested in the stuff that he's got. Out. Yeah, but I mean, there's a lot of that stuff. It's like, look at Vault Comics;
0: they're pretty new and they just got their own section. Yeah, in, yeah, they became a an FOC yeah. publisher. They're blowing up. They out, got a man. section
1: in previous. Lion
0: Forge is the same thing. They were yep. a small company. They did it the right way. You put out quality, people will find it. Yeah, Nerds, like, and, and they brought on, on they it.
1: brought on quality talent as well. It's yeah. all about getting the right people on the right books. Good job, David Walker. That is your new news. The writer. <laughs> Good job, David Walker. The writer. <laughs>
0: That is your nerd news for the week. But I bet we missed a ton of other stories while chowing down on these little chocolates. Joe, they're full of booze. Yes! So hit us up on the THN Forum's big news section, or better yet, tune in to Cover to Cover, live every Saturday, where we broadcast on our Facebook page from 11.30 to 12.30 Central Standard Time. It's like sports talk, but it's for nerds, and you control the content, and it ain't no damn fun if you don't show up. It's just Joe and I having our old... Uh, heterosexual gay married couple fights that we had. Yeah,
1: you know, we ran out of things to talk about People 10 thought years we were ago. legit fighting last week. I loved it. <laughs> idiots.
0: You can call us at 402-819-4894
1: You're not idiots. I'm sorry. and You guys are idiots.
0: Or click the call now button on our Facebook page. If you can't be there live, you can leave us a message or you can send us an mp3 to twoheadednerds at gmail.com. Good job, idiot.
1: It's, re- <clears throat> uh-uh. it's spotlight review time in the ziggurat, because that's a thing we're doing now. The spotlight is on these reviews. I get it, where Matt and I ruin our chances of sleeping with creators by reviewing two of this Wednesday's new comics. Matt, you ain't as pretty as you used to be, so this better be good. Here it goes. My review this week is of Avengers
0: No Road Home, number one, or as we like to call it, Ain't no road home no mo.
1: Ain't no road no home no mo.
0: Published by Marvel Comics. It's written by Mark Wade, Al Ewing, and Jim Zub, with art by Paco Medina. Here's your solicit. The team that brought you
2: Avengers: The reunites
0: for why is reunites? Nice? I, <laughs> <laughs> I forgot to take the caps lock <laughs> <Yeah>. off <laughs> for an all-new weekly Avengers adventure. Night has fallen across the universe.
2: Now seven Avengers and one new addition. Journey forth. To bring back the light But when the threat They face is destroyed Even the gods Will anyone make it home?
0: Your suggested soundtrack For this I'm gonna start doing Suggested soundtracks Oh on great Don't expect that shit from spine. me I don't listen to music You have to I do a little extra For the fans I understand you don't want to That's Yeah no nice. fuck them <laughs> Your suggested soundtrack For this one Is The Sciences It is the new album From Stoner Rock Legends Sleep I forgot how much I enjoyed Avengers No Surrender, and now the band is back together for another romp, and of course, Hercules is here. So I'm automatically on board. Oh, yeah. I love Herc as an Avenger so damn much. Plus, Al Ewing brings his blue Marvel and Spectrum back along with his terrifying Hulk to the party, once again, something terrible is happening, and only a wacky group of Avengers we don't normally see in the monthly title can save the universe. This kind of premise gets me every damn time. And when Paco Medina's on art, you know you're going to be in for a beautiful ride. Unlike the recent Uncanny X-Men run that saw a three-headed writing team fighting to capture the spotlight, Zub, Wade, and Ewing meld into a single-minded creative giant spinning a tale of grave danger that only a ragtag group of Avengers can hope to stop and Rocket Raccoon, who's not technically an Avenger.
1: No, no. (laughs) Look, I will read anything... Neither is Scarlet Witch. They make a point of saying so. She's not right now? No. She's like, I'm done with teams... (laughs) Oh really? Because Hawkeye invites her to join the West Coast Avengers and she's like, nah. Yeah, but isn't she still like a card carrying Avenger? Well, I I mean once an Avenger. Oh right. I mean that's always that's the tagline. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. She's an but Avenger. she's not like an active member, no. Get out of here. She's still an Avenger.
0: <laughs> Look, I will read anything with Marvel's Hercules involved. She doesn't live in the guts of the Celestial, okay? Oh <laughs>
1: yeah, I forgot. They're in the mountain now. No, it's inside of us. It's hollowed out dead celestial. Oh, that's right.
0: I forgot. Yeah. Look. Like I was saying before I was so rudely interrupted, I'll read anything with Marvel's Hercules involved. So I'm an easy mark here. But I did not expect
1: to have this much fun reading this first issue. I love B-List Avengers. In fact, I was mad at you for taking it because when we were making our picks, you said you didn't care about it. I just didn't feel like I was going to care. Paco Medina is so friggin' good. Rocket Raccoon is here. Is
0: the Avengers No Road Home reinventing the comic book? No, nah, nah. of course not. It's just
1: a really good superhero comic. Is
0: this a ridiculous heavy metal comic booking with a fantastic cast and kick-ass art? Fuck yeah, it is, and I'm giving it a buy. Shit went down on Mount Olympus. Totally, it's it was not
1: good. Well, the whole book was just nuts. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was uh, great. Great. I mean, I loved Avengers No Surrender, and so I was excited for this, and I'm glad that they took it into a mini series rather than yeah. Yeah, Doing it again in the pages of regular Avengers because Jason Aaron's doing his thing. Right. By the way, <laughs> this week's issue of Avengers with fucking Blade. It's the War of the Vampires. I got It's catch amazing. Up. I it's so good. I gotta catch I love um, Blade so much. Anyway, uh, yeah, I really liked this. Paco Medina, man, he has gotten so good. Well, it's not like there was a time where I remember... I don't really care for Paco
0: Medina's art. No, but he's, he's always been good. But gotten, he's one of those guys that keeps he's improved, ramping yes, up his game for sure. For sure. Like we talked about Chuchetto last week. Where it's yeah, like yeah, How did exactly, you get right. better?
1: Right. Um, <laughs> it's and I, crazy. I also love Hercules. Like I am a sucker for Avengers that aren't like big time. Yeah, B listers. You know? Um, like give me something with Wonder Man in it. I'm absolutely in. Hercules too. Totally. Uh, I thought this was great. It's a buy it from me. I'm on board for all ten weekly issues. Yeah,
0: it's going to be fun. Joe Patrick, let's talk about the return we've all been waiting for. Yeah, yeah. The Wanda Twins. Yeah!
1: Uh, I am reviewing Wanda Twins number one from DC Comics, written by Mark Russell, with art by Stephen Byrne. It's 32 pages for $3.99. Here is your solicit. Exiled from their home planet, alien heroes Zayn and Jaina must navigate life as teens on Earth at South Metropolis High School. Not the name of the high school. <laughs> it's Morris High School. <laughs> well, it's in South Metropolis, right? It's not because they are... Oh, unless they teleport. Oh. I'll get there. All right. Uh, where, where they're even bigger outsiders than the typical awkward young adults. Under the watchful eye of Superman, the brother and sister pull monitor duty at the Hall of Justice as interns. There it is. While also trying to overcome the pitfalls. Uh... I spent several minutes, I'm embarrassed to say... Uh, Time out. Finish reading this and then... That's the. Fin- oh, sorry. I thought yeah, that was the no, end. Sorry, 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 sorry. Well, well the pitfalls... Of- well, while while also trying to overcome <laughs> the pitfalls of Zan's brash confidence and Jaina's shy but streetwise persona. If you think you know the Wanda twins, think again. This book takes the form of the unexpected. Whoa! Get it? Okay, uh, you were saying. So, I spent several embarrassing minutes today Googling... The location of the Hall of Justice. (laughs) Because I couldn't figure out where this book takes place. I'm like, it's Metropolis, right? It's in Metropolis. The Hall of Justice is in Metropolis? No. I didn't think so. The Hall of Justice is in Washington, D.C. Yeah. And so I thought, while reading the book, how are they getting to the Hall of Justice if they are living in Metropolis? They're boom-tubing. Maybe. Boom-boom-boom. Maybe. No, they just show them like walking. They're just walking down the street. So, oh. I'm saying this book takes place in Washington D.C. So uh, uh, there you have it. Really? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Like they show the outside of the Hall of Justice, they're just like walking I by. I didn't even pick up on that. I guess I didn't even really think about it. They don't show how they get there. I suppose yeah. maybe so, that's, maybe that was just something maybe, that they didn't update in this illicit. Maybe they is, are in DC, but like it very clearly says the name of the high school when you see it in the book. It's Morris High School. Mark Russell has earned a reputation as a writer that takes concepts that probably shouldn't work. A press revival? It was great. A smart, satirical Flintstones? It was awesome. And getting some really great material from him. Now he's cast his eye on the Wonder Twins, alien siblings with hilariously limited shape-shifting powers best known for their appearances on the Super Friends cartoon in the 70s and 80s. If you're old like us, you remember that. Oh, yeah. This is something only 80s kids will understand. Yeah, <laughs> you young
0: whippersnappers.
1: Get out of here. Zan and Jana have been brought to Earth by Superman as a favor to their father after an unrevealed incident on their home planet. Now they're attending high school and interning at the Hall of Justice... Zan is overconfident, thinking he'll be big man on campus within a year. Jaina is more timid, but clever. Very smart. Russell's trademark wit is in full effect here, filling the script with almost throwaway jokes like the weather report warning about trans-dimensional deaf clouds (laughs) during an attack by (laughs) Mr. Mixius Pitilic. There's a hilarious sequence with Zan hitting what is essentially his species version of puberty in front of the whole school leading to a pretty great scene where Superman and Batman share their own tales of teenage trauma. Bendis will, of course, bend over backwards to tell you that this book is in continuity. But Wonder Twins kind of exists in a timeless bubble. So don't worry too much when Superman makes references to the League operating out of the Hall of Justice for years. They haven't been in the current continuity. No. Or if some characters don't line up exactly to how they're portrayed on other books, they don't. Or if the
0: Hall of Justice is in Metropolis. Or, yeah, we don't
1: know. (laughs) I've seen Stephen Byrne's name here and there over the past couple of years, most notably the JLA Power Rangers crossover from 2017. It was great. The Irish artist does a great job here with his expressive characters and strong storytelling. His art has an almost animated quality to it, and his colors really pop off the page. And so it almost looks like this could be a modern sequel to the Super Friends.
0: Sort of, but they don't, yes, but they don't go cartoony. No, 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 not, Animated, like, not all the way. But not yeah, cartoony. Yeah, yeah, And no. they could have very easily gone for that. Right. I'm glad they didn't.
1: And I don't know if Byrne or letterer Dave Sharp gets the credit for this, but there are some hilarious posters scattered around the walls <laughs> yeah. of the high school. For example, my favorite fall dance theme, Delusions of Grandeur. <laughs> I know they're kind of a joke these days, but I always loved the Wonder Twins. Russell and Byrne do a terrific job bringing the characters to the present day and embracing their inherent silliness. Definitely looking forward to more of this series. It's a buy. it.
0: I never gave a shit about the Wonder Twins. My favorite Wonder Twins thing was back on Cartoon Network where they used to do the fake Wonder Twins commercials where they would start arguing about shit. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Those were
1: great. You were more of a Wendy and Marvin man.
0: Yeah, yeah, I preferred Wendy and Marvin. What was their dumb dog? Uh, They had a dog, too. Wonder Dog, was it? Wonder Dog, I think. Yeah, it was like a Scooby-Doo ripoff. of just sucked. It was so stupid. Regardless, this is another case of Mark Russell can do anything he wants. Anything he wants at this point. If you told me Mark Russell was on Rainbow Bright, I'm going to read it. How how would read that, yeah. You know, this was just fun, and it was really well done, and while it was accessible... It's not like, I wouldn't call it all
1: ages. It is very much sort of like tween to teen sure. driven. Yeah, I mean, it's not childish. No, uh, not at all. It's also not like mature. No, you know? that's it's, the other it's, thing. It's really I mean, in that
0: sweet spot. There is some kind of sex jokes here. You know, yeah, like yeah, there's a... Coming of age. Yes, right, it's exactly. Not like, it's not like you know anything filthy, but there's some no. coming of age stuff. And it's definitely driven to that tween, teen kind of market, but still very readable for any adult.
1: Yeah. With oh, plenty
0: yeah. of humor in it. I very much enjoyed this. I mean,
1: really, most of those jokes that I mentioned, those, those like, throwaway That's jokes the in the background, stuff. that is definitely yeah. stuff that you would probably not yeah. catch without a, some age on you. Right. But this is a huge buy for me, too. I really liked it. So that is a double buy-it for both Avengers 8, no road, home, no Mo number one, and for Wanda Twins, number one, We'll post our written reviews over at TwoHeadedNerd.com so twins everywhere can make their twin feel the pain of reading it from a distance. It's a weird twin. like psychic connection. connection. You stab one, the other one's like... Like Tomax and
2: Zaman. I don't trust them.
0: We don't tend to celebrate corporate BS holidays like Arbor Day and Valentine's Day around here, but... As Joe gets older, he seems to get a little softer, too. So this year, I'm surprising Joey for Valentine's Day. I've rented She-Ra's horse, Swiftwind.
2: And for the next eight to ten minutes, Joe, we'll ride shirtless in each other's embrace while we review eight more of this
0: Wednesday's new comics during the Ludicrous Speed Round. I'm the luckiest girl alive. You you really are.
1: Ludicrous Speed! Go! Sword of Conan number one from Marvel I talked some smack
0: about this creative team of Jerry Duggan and Ron Garney And wow, was I wrong This was exactly what I needed from the Savage Sword of Conan An older, more experienced barbarian that you do not want to fuck with Murdering his way through a pirate ship The story was mean-spirited, fun, soaked in blood And had exceptional art by Ron Garney Who looks like he has been waiting to draw Conan all his life I think he was so excited about this. We like to tease Marvel about never knowing when too much of a good thing is, well, too much, but if they can continue this kind of quality on two monthly Conan comics, I'm completely fine with it. Gigantic. Buy it. Supergirl number 27 from DC. What
1: the hell, Supergirl? (laughs) It's already been a long week. America is on fire. Things are bad all over. I just need something bright and positive to turn this mood around. It's been a while since I've checked in on the Girl of Steel. Let's just see what. Jesus! She (laughs) just ripped that guy's tongue out. Maybe I'm spoiled by the CW show, but holy shit, this book is dour. The last time I checked, Supergirl was not like this. The last time we checked, I, 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 I don't. I guess I don't. I get that she's on this quest to learn about the truth of Krypton's destruction, and not every book has to be all butterflies and sunshine. But this just seems really off-brand for the character. Yeah, Supergirl does not rip anyone's tongue out. Yeah, good lord. But writer Mark Andrego does have some fun with a few of DC's goofier space concepts, and the art by Eduardo Pansica is fantastic. Super, like you've never seen a tongue get ripped out so beautifully. <laughs> really? Supergirl number
0: twenty-seven gets a skim it. I don't know, man. I see some pretty good tongues getting
1: ripped out. <laughs> Army of Darkness, Baba Hotep, number one from Dynamite. The Bruce Campbell-verse at Dynamite is now folding in on itself. Oh, man, it's the singularity. As Ash meets an
0: aging Elvis in a book named after both of their nemeses. There is no reason this book should be hard to write when Dynamite has been milking this cow for 10-plus years now. But I will say, Scott Duvall's script was way better than it had any right to be, and Vincenzo Frederici's art was excellent. I did not expect anything here. I walked away smiling.
1: I am shockingly giving this a bio. House of Whispers, number six from DC. This series escaped our righteous judgment when it first launched, so I thought it would be nice to check it out. I should have just left it alone. This is by far the weakest of the Sandman universe imprint. The script by Nalo Hopkinson and Dan Waters is a jumbled mess, packed so full of voodoo jargon and Creole references that you need a doctorate in cultural studies to follow it. It reads like the most Vertigo-ass book to ever Vertigo. (laughs) The art by Domo Stanton is interesting, but it's not enough to elevate this complete slog. House of Whispers number six gets a leave it. I don't even know how it's still going.
0: I'm wondering if this whole Sandman imprint is in trouble because they're not selling.
1: Yeah, but Vertigo books are always kind of low-selling. I suppose, but these are pretty low. Yeah. Age of X-Men, next gen, number one from Marvel. I got to admit, this latest in a
0: never-ending line of alternate X realities that turns out to be a lie and everything is reset to normal in the end, it's actually pretty good. Yeah, right? Her <laughs> glob is at the center of what seems to be a conspiracy, at the center of the Age of X-Men. Didn't see that one coming, did you? But seriously, Ed Brisson does a great job writing the students, showing them in class, something I'd like to see more of in the regular X titles, sure. I might add. So yeah. We know where this event is going, but so far, I'm having fun with it. I give, I'm giving this a buy. I
1: love that Glob Herman is the hero of That's this story. That's great, Miss <laughs> Marvel number thirty-eight from Marvel. Don't get me wrong, this is a great issue with a fun video game theme and a great message. But after five years and sixty issues, I thought the final issue of G Willow Wilson's historic run would have a bit more fanfare. She only writes the first nine pages. She doesn't even get like the last word. Yeah. There are three other creative teams that do a great job with their chapters dealing with different levels of the game that Kamala and her friends find themselves trapped in. Devin Grayson, remember her? She's yeah. here. Oh hey. Uh, Jim Zub writes a chapter. It's pretty great. I guess I was expecting more of an emotional farewell, but like I said, Ms. Marvel 38 is still a really fun read. I'm giving it a buy it.
0: I'm giving it a skim it. For as celebrated as this run should have been, they should have given it a better ending for this writer, for G. Wheeler Wilson to put a button on it and say, there you go. I, there's my run. Why? Do, That's what
1: I wanted. Why even do this yeah. issue?
0: It, like, it just, just and stop even, with thirty-seven. And
1: like, look, G Willow Wilson doesn't owe anybody anything. No. But even the even the like sign-off on the letters page yeah. was just copied from what she had already posted on right. Facebook. And like, I'm I had saying, already read that message.
0: You, you already buttoned up your last storyline, and it ended very well. Just stop. There's no reason to do another one. Gunning for hits number two from Image. This one sort of went under my radar. Moratat is on art here. I love Moratat. He is fucking fantastic on art here, and he's kind of doing something different than what he normally does. It's a little more animated, a little more cartoony, and a little simpler than what we normally get from Moratat. But it was very good in this story of a music agent trying to land the next big band, and he's sort of going through and giving this step-by-step of, here's what I do, here's how the industry works, here's who this asshole is, here's why I'm sleeping in this car. It's very fast-paced. It was really well done. I'm giving this
1: a buy. Shatterstar, number five, from Marvel. In five short issues, writer Tim Seeley has done a great job setting up a new status quo for the oft-mocked Shatterstar a Rob Liefeld creation known primarily for his shoulder pads and ridiculous swords, two blades. Yeah, for extra cutting. Four blades
0: all day. Oh shit! <laughs>
1: you he's won any chance. He's <laughs> also added several great characters uh, to the Marvel Universe, like Bug Smasher <laughs> and the End Woman, an intergalactic Amazon warrior with a giant gun leg. Sure. In this issue, Shatterstar fights against an army of his own clones to free his tenants. He's a landlord now. Yep. From the clutches of the Grand Master. Dude's gotta make money. Yeah. Really great art from Carlos Villa on the present-day scenes. Gerardo Sandoval does a fine job on the flashbacks, though his art style isn't really my cup of tea. Yeah, Carlos Villa
0: is a badass, though.
1: I've loved this series, and this was a great send-off. I'm giving Shadow Star number five a buy-it. Believe it or not, it was real good. That's how you do a send-off. Yeah, there you go.
0: Scratch! That is your ludicrous speed round, and Scratch! It's the sound of poor pipes being crushed under the massive foot of Overlord, as seen in the pages of the mean old, nasty old Transformers. More than meets the eye, number 15. This onomatopoeia of the week was submitted by at the underscore Lorax via Twitter. Great. If you want to submit an onomatopoeia of the week, you can write it on the bottom of your giant foot and scratch us with it on any of our social media outlets, or you can shoot us an email to twoheadednerd at gmail.com. now that we've got joe's sentimental valentine's day bullshit out of the way it's time to head down to the THN
2: sanctum sanctorum where this week i've prepared a spread of bat cat and rat hearts gently seared with shallot and white wine then we'll be pushing an enchanted needle in between our ribs through our pericardium and directly into our own heart to make sure
1: That our blood is black enough to... Hey, buddy. Before we stab ourselves in the heart, maybe we could talk about our must-read picks of the week. Joe, we've done this a thousand times. We're going to be fine, okay? Just just in case, maybe we can tell the nerds about our must-read picks first, and then we can maybe talk about the heart-stabbing thing. Oh,
2: you big
0: baby. My pick for next week is Incursion, number one from Valiant. It's written by Andy Diggle
1: with art by Alex Packnadel. Who chose what- Is a writer. Alex Pacnadel is a writer. Okay. I didn't know he was an artist, so I'm thinking this is a typo. But maybe he is an oh, artist. He's
0: listed there as the artist. I don't All know. Right.
1: 32 pages for 3.99. There's Here's no
0: th- way to know.
2: Yeah. Here's your solicit. Beyond the margins of human reason lies a realm as the dead side, where the souls of the dearly departed linger, and where demons wait for us in the dark. For countless ages, Earth's chosen protectors have guarded the veil between both worlds but there are other doors to the dead side through which gruesome terrors from galaxies untold can trespass with the planet's freedom at stake can the reigning geomancer and her steadfast eternal warrior stand together against an invasion unlike they've ever
0: witnessed you were all like uh shadow man I don't care no
1: no, this is the Eternal Warrior. Guess who wrote the last volume of Shadow Man? I get it, Andy Diggle. I know.
0: I love the Eternal Warrior.
1: I oh like the man. Eternal Warrior. I too. love the Eternal Warrior. I just don't so care about. about I don't care about Shadowman. That's fine.
0: Though they don't mention Shadowman in this solicit. No, no, no. The Dead Side is more than just Shadowman. It's a whole thing. Okay, sure. What's your pick for next week?
1: My pick for next week is Wolverine and the Infinity Watch. Number one. Is it really? I'll get there. All right. From Marvel Comics, written by Jerry Duggan, with art by Andy McDonald. It's 32 pages for 3.99. Didn't we just get off this carnival ride? I'll get there. <laughs> Here's your solicit.
2: Wolverine has finally returned. <laughs> Disentwined
1: from the evil clutches of Soterra. Not a word, by the
2: way. Disentwined.
0: <laughs> I was going to say, clear your throat, buddy.
1: But hang on. Didn't he have an infinity stone? Yeah. How did that happen? I don't remember. And wasn't he popping up all over the damn place for a little while? Yeah. <laughs> The answers you seek are finally revealed as Logan goes cosmic alongside everyone's favorite god of lies and stories, Loki Lothysen. Uh You might be asking yourself, hey, Joe, didn't you just spend 30 minutes shitting on Infinity War a you couple did. weeks ago? I was right there. I was sitting on the toilet next door. I did. I, I did uh, because it wasn't good.
0: Uh, we have his and his toilets. They're right
1: next to each other. Yeah, us. right. However,. Um, I am curious to know how the whole, like, Wolverine randomly showing up in these books uh, that started back in the Marvel Legacy one-shot connects with Wolverine being returned with no memory in The Return of Wolverine, which also connects with him returning with all of his memories in Uncanny X-Men this week. It sounds to me like you're morbidly curious. I'm morbidly curious. <laughs> okay, I'll buy that. not
0: excited. Okay, I'll take that. <laughs> yeah. I've made morbidly curious picks of the week. Yeah, I absolutely. Get it. Absolutely. The teach and trade of the week goes to Comics Will Break Your Heart, the hardcover from Roaring Book Press, written by Faith Aaron Hicks. I'm going to say Faith it. Too,
1: uh, buckle up, Buttercup. This is a book book. Oh, come on! You know I don't read
0: no books. It's a book book. Give me a break. Three hundred and fifty-two pages for eighteen ninety-nine. That's why it's so
1: cheap because there's no pictures. Yeah, if it was if it had pictures, it would be way more
0: expensive. Here's your her solicit. Miriam's family should be rich. After all, her grandmother was a co-creator of the Smash It comic series, The Tomorrow Men. But he sold his rights to the series to his co-creator in the nineteen sixties for practically nothing. And now that's what Miriam has practically nothing. And practically nothing to look forward to either. Ah, how can she afford college when her family can barely keep a roof above their heads? As if she didn't have enough to worry about, Miriam's life gets much more complicated when a cute boy shows up in town and turns out to be the grandson of the man who defrauded Miriam's grandfather
2: and heir to the tomorrow Tomorrowman future fortune. fortune. Just like I said.
0: So this is what if Stanley had a hot grandson and Jack Kirby's great granddaughter met him?
1: Yeah, and they fell <laughs> later well, in life. Yeah, yeah, right, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> I think that's
0: super fun. It's sort of like a, a Romeo and Juliet kind of thing. Yeah,
1: and it fits our uh, Valentine's theme. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: But this is very much like a take on Jack Kirby. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, for, for sure. Yeah. So there you have our picks. For Wednesday, February 20th. But we want to know what you nerds are reading for Valentine's Day, too. So after you've cleaned up from your chocolate Valentine orgy, let us know what you plan on reading next week. Or go ahead and hit us up on any of our social networking platforms. And for the love of Cupid, don't forget to make sure all your pics are added to your profile. He will shoot you right in the mommy-daddy button with that arrow. (laughs) Yikes. Pachow.
1: Pachow.
0: That's an, what it sounded like, bow and makes. mix.
1: Yeah, chow mm-hmm.
0: Like a gun. Pachow. No, that's different. Guns go pew, 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 pew. How does an air, how does uh, a, uh, remember that kid uh, on the <laughs> playground that had a, a machine yeah, gun? Yeah, I was he, like, he, I got a machine uh, gun. Uh, Shut up. Uh, but, okay, first of all, you sound like a fucking
2: goat, dude.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I just want to know how a bow goes cachow. Puh chow. How does a bow go puh ciao? I just showed you. I'm not doing that. And not again. like kertwang or something. That's,
0: I don't even know what that noise is. Is that
1: someone okay. breaking a string on a harp? Give me a break. I mean, it's a stringed weapon, but okay.
2: One, two, three, four, five.
1: It's not a fifth week, but hey, it is Valentine's Day week and we can't think of a better way to celebrate than to count down our top five favorite comic book couples. Matt, start us off with your number five. My number five goes to Apollo and the
0: Midnighter, the cutest gay couple in comics. They were created by Warren Ellis and Brian Hitch as an homage to Superman and Batman. But they were, what if Superman and Batman were in love? <laughs> Which we all know that they secretly are. First appearance was in Stormwatch Volume 2, Number 4, back in 1998. One, uh, I would argue, one of the best written and healthiest gay relationships in fiction. Not just in comics. (laughs) I'm saying in
1: fiction. I mean,
0: fiction is a pretty broad brush. But they were always so great together. And, like, it was so well handled. It was never, this was before DC, like, well, it wasn't just DC. This was before DC and Marvel got on that, guess who's gay trick to try and sell sure. books, you know? Yeah, I mean, like,
1: Apollo and Midnighter were gay from the jump.
0: Yeah, they were just quietly gay. It was nobody's business but their own. They were in love. They didn't need your judgment. They didn't give a shit. Anybody didn't like it. The Midnighter was going to take one of those sticks
1: that he has and push
0: it all the way up your hoo-ha.
1: So, there you go. Wow. <laughs> Yikes. My number five. Aroni. Uh, I really wanted to make room for Apollo and Midnighter on, the, on my list. I really love those characters, but it just came down to m- me being more emotionally invested in these other groups. Uh my number 5 is Hawkman and Hawk Girl. Okay. Uh, from DC Comics. Uh, immortals, are not immortals, but reincarnated through time. I mean, yeah, immortals, but they're like well, through reincarnation. they're not immortal because they're yeah. constantly dying. They're, but Their love is immortal. Their, their love is immortal. Right, oh. <laughs> right. Uh, and so I'm talking specifically about uh, the version of the characters we've gotten ever since Jeff Johns got a hold of them mm-hmm. in the early to mid-2000s, uh, where he introduced the idea that all of the Hawk people that we've ever known are actually the same two people. Reincarnated through okay, time. Okay, time out.
0: Not all of the Hawk people, but the Carter
1: Halls all and the All of the, the hawk mans and hawk women's. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. Okay.
1: Well, because they're not all named Shiera and, and Carter. Right, but there's they're other names, Hawk people. For Khufu and uh, Kendra yeah. is right. the most recent one. Right. Qatar.
0: See, um, now, I couldn't pick these two because I just felt like they were. it was too tumultuous. They have, like, too many issues. I love
1: their relationship, man. I love the idea that, like, they are destined to always find each other, and the moment they find each other... The clock starts ticking, and it's only a Not matter fair, of time yeah, yeah. before their destiny catches up with them, and, and they, they get die. murdered again. Yeah, uh, and now Robert Venditti ha- is put has put like an amazing spin on the whole reincarnation thing. Yeah, and I just it's so I love cool. it. It's I so love cool. these two. Love
0: them. My number four, and I don't care if it don't make no sense. And love don't make no sense. And maybe, maybe, maybe it was downright illegal back in the day. But my number four <laughs> goes to Kitty Pride and Peter Rasputin. He was. Kitty and Colossus Eighteen? met each other way back in X-Men 129. This was by John Byrne, Chris Claremont, and Terry Austin. Now, we don't know exactly yeah, we do. we did how this math. old Peter was. We did this math on cover to cover. But I think it's fair to say he was at least 18. Yes. And Kitty was 12 to 13. She was 13. <laughs> Which is pretty Canonically young. 13 years old, yes. <laughs> but it was also sort of like at that point, it was still kind of an unrequited love. Now, later on, Shit would get heavy. Kitty would be impressed when Peter saves the team from the Hellfire Club and really kind of fall for him. And after that, Peter gets uh, like melted into a solid block almost and the Morlocks have him oh, and yeah, they're yeah, like, yeah. we'll give you Colossus back. All you have to do is uh, marry Marry this Caliban. fish face guy yeah, over here. And, but Caliban was super woke and was like, I'm not gonna do that. You don't want to marry me. Yeah. It's a great cover, though. I loved that cover. Kitty in the dress and Caliban. Yeah, all yeah. it, and make sure, yeah. <laughs> it is like creepy Tuxedo. <laughs>
1: uh, don't forget when... Uh, Colossus went to space and fell in love with an alien chick and yep. came back to Earth and he was like, sorry, kitty. Well, I mean, but that, you know, they've been
0: up and they've been down. I get it. Yeah. Uh in Days of the Future Past, we'd see him as a married couple, and I loved that. Oh, mm. it was so adorable. We saw him again as a married couple with serious problems in Age of Apocalypse when Colossus is just like, screw you, baby. I'm going to find my sister, and I'm taking this team, and they're all gonna get killed. <laughs> It was a whole thing. And it wouldn't be until we saw Josh Whedon on Astonishing X-Men when we saw Kitty and Colossus back together again. Like for realties. And it was so great. And then they recently got she married. She was legal. They
1: were both legal. Yep.
0: They did not get married. In X-Men Gold, they recently got married. They did and not get nobody married. nobody cared
2: because they didn't get married.
0: They didn't get married. I know. They build it. They're like, here it is. The wedding issue yeah, yeah. getting they, married. She didn't go through with it. They, they got go through married it. like Daredevil died. It was bullshit. Yeah,
1: exactly. And instead Rogan Gambit got married. It was such bullshit. Which Ugh. is so great cuz I love Rogan Gambit. But they're so not in my top 5. Stupid. My number 4 goes to Oliver Queen and Dinah Lance, oh, that's Green good one. Arrow and Black Canary. Although they haven't been together for a
0: long time.
1: Well, they've got a lot of weird continuity shit that yeah. has
0: kept them apart. Like we don't even know if the current Green Arrow is the guy the Black Canary ever like Yeah, more, yeah, yeah. In the current Green Arrow with. in
1: the current Green Arrow book they have been together. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so Oliver Queen and Dinah Lance met on the Justice League of America in the 60s mm-hmm. when they both joined the team. They have a decades long on again, off again, uh, very like roller coaster romance. Right. Because Ollie's very set in his ways, uh, kind of a selfish dude, and does what he wants. And it doesn't always work out with what Dinah wants. And their relationship has kind of suffered for it. Yeah. Um, they went through a super crazy, rough patch in the 80s when she was. Uh, Viciously assaulted and lost her powers. Uh, that then there was, was that time the, she killed
0: somebody and her husband like kicked her off the Avengers. That was and, Mockingbird. Oh, sorry, my bad. That was the other Arrow guy and the other yeah, bird. that was
1: that was the other. That was the Black Canary stand-in that also got viciously assaulted, and then when she took revenge on her assaulter, she got booted off the Avengers for it. Happens. Yeah, you know, you should have thought about that shit. Uh, but yeah uh, and uh, I loved that they kind of rushed back into each other's arms when he got resurrected by uh, Parallax in the 90s during that Kevin Smith run Uh, there was that great issue uh, where they reunite for the first time and then it's just like several panels of the JSA standing outside their bedroom door in their hallway wondering if they're okay Yeah, (laughs) because they haven't like surfaced for food or water (laughs) in several days (laughs) The new fifty-two happened and wiped out their histories. It did in fact happen. So they never had met; they were strangers. But in rebirth, their histories weren't necessarily restored, but they were brought back together. Yeah. Um. They hinted at it. There was uh, when Wally was bouncing around, uh, the the universe in that rebirth special. He knew that like they were basically strangers, but. Something deep down inside of them, they knew that they were missing something. Yeah, they, we um, still don't totally know what. Well, going yeah, on. I mean, they have been together in the Green Arrow book, which we right. do not read. No, but I mean, like as far as everything that's happened in their past, we don't. I don't think the majority of the past has yeah, happened, but I, I think they've think kind have. of forged a new history. Okay. Um, I don't think they're together anymore because I think Ali did something dumb, mm. like he does. Mm. But I just love, I love Green Arrow and Black Canary.
0: Matt, what's your number three? My number three goes to. I'm switching it up on you. It's going to freak you out. Big Barda. Yeah, buddy. Yeah, buddy. Big Barda and Scott Friedman. That's not what's written here. Mr. Miracle. That is not what's written here. But in the last, I'm going to say, five years, maybe? They've been toying with us a little more. Like, we knew that Big Barda and Mr. Miracle were an item. We'd seen them together before uh, in Ennis's, or not Ennis's, I'm sorry, in... uh, Morrison's JLA. Mm -hmm. Big Barda was on the team, and we knew she was living with Scott at the time. And they
1: were a cute couple, and we liked it. I mean, they've been married since they they debuted.
0: They have become such a wonderful couple in Tom King's Mr. Miracle storyline and some other stuff around that, uh, sort of orbiting around that. You're a real
1: Johnny-come lately. You know that. They've been a couple forever.
0: I know that, but we have not seen them the way that they're written. Like, Big Barda so genuinely loves him and protects him. Like, thinks that he is squishy and soft and has to be, you know, like, taken care of. And I love the role reversal where Big Barda is the big tough one in the relationship and, it's like, Scott has some real issues that he's trying to work through. Like, Mr. Miracle's messed up from his time on Apocalypse and he found a woman that he truly loves that's going to take care of him. I think their relationship is just adorable. They are my number three. I okay. love them
1: together. Yeah, I mean, I like them too. Uh, my number three, and really for the next three, it was kind of a toss up for my for my three, two, and one. Uh, my number three though. Peter and Mary Jane. Really? Yeah. Uh, I I remember Peter and Mary Jane. Um, Page Turner's used books. Okay. On fifteenth and Dodge. Yes. Now a bar. Now a bar. Yes, Page Turner's Lounge. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, we, my dad used to take me there. They had a comic book room where they sold comics on the cheap. Uh, and so like if, if the cover price was 75 cents, it was only 50 cents to buy it or that sort of thing, like a sliding scale. Um, and I remember finding the issues where Peter proposes to Mary Jane. Yes. Uh,
0: it was so good.
1: I want to say it's amazing. Spider-Man 290. Oh,
0: they were so good. Uh, And,
1: um, like there had been married superheroes sure. already, like Barry and Iris were a thing, though he wasn't the Flash or anymore at that time. Um, I I knew that there, I knew that there were married heroes out there, um, but this was the first time I was like, oh shit, this is a relationship that I've seen progress, right? And now it's happening. Uh, and it wasn't until years later that I found a copy of uh, Amazing Spider-Man Annual twenty one where they actually get married, mm-hmm. but. It's a three part story. My he, favorite
0: wedding episode of all time.
1: Sure, yeah. <laughs> oh my God, that wedding issue is so good. Uh, so, in, in the first part of the story, Peter proposes, and her first instinct is to say no. Uh, and he had proposed before in the past, apparently, which is something I did not know at the time. I didn't know that. Yeah. Um, when? Or, or way earlier in the 80s, I think. Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, and her first instinct was to say no. Uh, and. That during that storyline, he gets uh attacked by the spider slayer. Uh uh Alistair Oh yeah. Alistair Smythe, the son of the guy that invented the original spider slayer robots. Smythe
0: or Smithy? Smythe. (laughs) Uh, uh, Well, I don't know.
1: And um by the end of that storyline, she realizes that they're they're meant to be and that he'll always be there to protect her. Yada, yada, yada. And she says yes. And it's like, oh yeah, yes. Uh so that was like my first comic book relationship where I actually got to see it go from being friends to being a couple to yeah. actually being married and I was like oh shit that's awesome. Yeah. Um and so they have always been like really close to my heart as a as a married couple which is why I took it so hard when Marvel was like devil time. It's
0: the dumbest. It yeah. was just the dumbest and I'm rethinking I'll just tell you, I had them as number one on my list because I love that couple so much. Mm-hmm. But the relationship is so fucking poisoned by that stupid crap.
1: Yeah, that they but pulled, I mean,
0: that it's like, I can't, I have to punish but, that relationship. But there are other versions of the relationship, right? I know, right? There's I know the, there are.
1: There's the, there's the really great version that we get of it in the, the there, Sony PS4 game. There's other versions and they don't there's count. There's Ultimate Peter and Mary Jane <laughs> that are super sweet together.
0: But that's almost worse because they constantly tease us with it. No, I know. Everywhere like, else. Look, man. They even gave us a book where like they're married in the future and they've got a kid. And they're doing all the shit that they should have fucking
1: done in Amazing
0: Spider-Man.
1: Sure. It's so stupid. But you had Kitty and Peter as your number four, and their relationship was. Totally shitty later on too. So. Yeah, but they naturally like came together and and broke apart and came together and broke apart. They didn't, you know,
0: like get married and we were all super happy and they had their happy ending. And then I don't know, look, like an alien came and de-aged Peter so he was like a baby and Kitty decided to stay with him and sleep with him and shit. You know, like like something gross.
1: <laughs> no, I like I'm not saying that what happened to them is good. Obviously, it's not. I hate it. Yeah. Um, but like they're back together in the comics. now. I know. I know. Uh, But I just, I always have loved Peter and Mary Jane as a
0: couple. I do too. My number two goes to Ben Grimm and Alicia Masters.
1: Man, you're just all over the dang
0: Ben Grimm and Alicia Masters are the most tragic, wonderful couple in the Marvel Universe. And don't give me your Rogue and Gambit bullshit. I am so sick of that. And there's been so many times where we could turn off Rogue's power so they can kiss and whatever. Fuck you. That shit's Stupid. The thing is made of rock. He can't feel crap. We he, don't know that. He can't embrace her. He cannot truly love her. And they are so in love. And they just got married and it was adorable. He can't it embrace finally her. And Petunia came. It yeah. was so great. And they've always been so wonderful together, and it's always been Ben Grimm like,
2: you don't want an ugly mug like this hanging around, whatever.
0: <laughs> and she's blind, so she can't see him, so she truly loves him for who he is. Yeah, but she knows he's not out of rocks. Ah! It's the
1: she's sculpted thing in the world. Her a thousand times. I know they have the sweetest relationship, and I absolutely love it. It's true, and it took way too long for them to actually way make too that damn happen. long. Uh, they had a really they had a really rocky road as well, no pun intended. There was the um, storyline in the '90s where uh, maybe it would have been late '80s, but uh, Ben and Alicia were no longer together, and she ended up marrying Johnny Storm. Oh yeah. Yeah. And uh, eventually it was revealed in like 1992 or 1993 that, whoops, Johnny's Alicia is actually a scroll. Yep,
0: we didn't have the verification device.
1: Yeah, they didn't have the verification device at the time. (laughs) Apparently.
0: Or it was on the Fritz, one of the Yeah, it may have been on the Fritz. Yeah. Uh,
1: So that was pretty crazy. And I don't remember where the original Alicia was. Like maybe they were just like keeping her in stasis or something on the alien ship. Wasn't important. Yeah, but uh, anyway, it's been a whole... Whole weird thing with those guys. Oh,
0: I love that <laughs> relationship so much. Uh,
1: but along those same lines, my number two is Reed Richards and Sue Storm. Okay, the uh, the the first family. Um, and while like I may I might be more like connected, I might relate more to Peter and Mary Jane as a couple, you know. Um, but I think that. The relationship between Reed and Sue, and also Johnny and Ben, right? Um, but Reed and Sue specifically, as like ba- the mom and dad of the Marvel universe, um, that if like something were to happen, if if Marvel had decided we're going to have a storyline where they get a divorce and she goes off with Namor or whatever, or he cheats on her, blah right. blah, blah. If they decided to pull some edgy crap, like they did with the Spider Man, it would feel like a betrayal. Yes. not just of those characters but of the entire Marvel universe.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely.
1: Uh, Cuz I think that the relationship of of Reed and Sue and the Fantastic Four is like the cornerstones on which the Marvel universe is built.
0: Yes. With that said, he is a terrible father.
1: Nah, man. I yeah, just re- I he's
0: just a really bad dad and I, they have written so many stories with him being a terrible you're dad. You're wrong. Putting his kids in danger. I
1: I just I just reread Jonathan Hickman's entire run on Fantastic Four and FF, and he is a great dad.
0: He is he, okay. He was very good in that. Yes, but we have way more stories where Reed is being a total prick. Doesn't show up for a birthday. Forgets to call somebody. Doesn't pick somebody up. Yeah, he's but so they get busy it. in the
1: lab doing. His they get doo. it. They understand the stakes. <laughs> that if Reed is if Reed is super focused on something, it's because the world's probably going to end. And I will say, every time Sue comes in and she's like, "I have had enough." Reed Richards,
0: you will come down here and stop doing it. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry, darling. I was just working on this miracle flower ring-making thing because I love you so much. And she's like, oh, Reed. You're making you know- shit up. <laughs> no, it like happens all the Give time. Give me your number one answer. It yeah. happens all the time. My number one answer is Clark and Lois. Yeah, mine too. It has to be. They, like, they're the single oldest relationship in comic books. Mm. It still works today. Every time they've tried to break them up or break them apart, Nobody cared about it. Nobody wanted it. And they brought them back together. It still totally works. They have a kid together today. Yeah. They are not they have moved past just like dating. They've moved past marriage. They're a family now. And I, it works so well. So
1: it's I will just say this for the so wonderful. for the first 50 years, fifty-five years of uh Superman and Lois Lane's relationship, there was a lot of um retreading of the same ground lois is trying yeah. to find out who superman's secret identity
2: is and yeah. she's
1: so close oops but she just gets it wrong just this barely gets it wrong Yeah, or she barely missed him changing into his outfit or it was a lot of tropes right and then in the 80s in the post crisis universe uh when they actually brought them together as a couple um i think it just opened up so much more it made them uh, uh, uh more of a partnership uh, and in that um that Valentine's Day special that you reviewed a couple weeks ago from DC yeah, that Lois story in the back where she writes that story to Superman about you know why she's with him and what it means for her to be with him oh. Oh. Um, and just the, uh, just so the <laughs> idea that like she is like a partner where she used to be like so suspicious where it's like or she was always in trouble or <laughs> she was being a flat out. Bitch. Well, like, there's a dragon atta- attacking the Daily Planet building, and Clark is like, oh man, egg salad, ugh, gotta go diarrhea. <laughs> and now it's like they're partners. Yeah. Where it's like, oh shit, Titana was attacking the Daily Planet, and she looks at Clark and she's like, you feeling okay? Yeah. It's like, oh no, you're not. Now that you mentioned it, I should excuse myself. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I love that dynamic. Yeah. I'm so tired of comic creators and editors or whatever. Trying to tell me it's so much harder to write a married couple. It's not Bullshit. interesting. Fuck you. And not- you don't understand what it's like to be married to a human being, or you're just not a very good writer, right? It's or you're a simple. bad writer. Like so, it's it's harder to write a married couple than it is to
0: write a cosmic being yeah. that has no feelings, that stands a thousand miles tall and eats planets.
1: Yeah, like that's cake. the The closest <laughs> the closest thing to an acceptable answer I've gotten for this sort of thing. Is the cynical reason why they really need to break up Peter and Mary Jane? It's because Peter always has to be set in stone as this mid 20s dude. Yeah,
2: that, that was just dumb.
1: And he has to iconically be like this kind of down on his luck slacker, blah, blah, right. blah. I get it. You have to preserve the brand. Right. Okay. It's stupid. But I at least respect it if you're going to be honest with me about it. But hey, you know what? Preserve that brand
0: in all those
1: fucking video games and those other right. titles. Do it outside I, of like, Amazing I, Spider-Man. I, I thought that was the whole point of the Ultimate Universe. Right. Was So that we could have our cake and do eat it there. too. Do it Let Peter grow up in his own book. And but get married and have a kid. You don't need to do that shit with Superman. Superman and Lois is the perfect pairing. Right. And when they were like broken or the, or they had never been a couple in the New 52 or whatever and then they paired them up with Wonder Woman which is so fucking so boring.
0: So stupid. It's boring. Yeah.
1: It's Black Panther Storm
0: bullshit is what it is.
1: They're both super. Right. Fuck yes, off. Yes. Right. Fuck exactly. off. Um, no. I think that Lois and Clark are a perfect comic book pairing. Absolutely. I love them. Number one with a bullet. Absolutely. Definitely.
2: Excelsior. Oh. Oh.
0: That is it for your Valentine's special THN 518. But remember, kids, every day is VD Day. And before we get out if of here, if you're not careful,
1: <laughs> Joe Patrick set up a new question of the week for these nerds, please. All right, this week's question comes from Trevor via the THN forums. But be prepared, I'm going to put my own stank on it. Gross. Hey, nerds, reading is fundamental, so let's get literary. There are currently a whole slew of films and TV shows based on popular book series, Amazon's Lord of the Rings and Wheel of Time shows, Villeneuve's Dune, any possible Stephen King book Hollywood can get their paws on, etc. But there can always be more. What book or book series would you want to see adapted or readapted that's not already in the works? Now here's a Joe Patrick bonus question. What book or book series would you want to see adapted? That's a comic book, so hard. That's such dedicated that it's it's difficult, that man. I got an answer. Really?
0: Mm-hmm. Do, do you have an answer for a successful one? Yeah. Hit me. Yeah. I can't. Why? No, no, I mean like one that has already happened. Oh. That you felt was successful. Oh, oh, oh. I
1: don't have a lot I can't uh, I can't think of a, very many. You know what? The uh if any. the Dark Tower comics were actually pretty popular for a while.
0: Yeah, that's true. But they were also like side stories. They didn't directly adapt the Dark Tower. They adapt. No, some of them did. They took storylines out of the Dark Tower and like told a bit of that story. There's no well, yeah. way
2: you could, there's no way you could just adapt that look. No
0: way. They did it They did it a good way, I will say that. But they didn't, it wasn't just like an, an adaptation of the book.
1: Well, that's fine too. That's I mean, hard. that's hard. If you're new to the show and
0: you can't believe two grown men would do this for more than seven damn years and anybody would pay attention, I assure you, it's only because you haven't heard enough of our garbage. The good news is... You can go and download the entire run of THN in our digital longbox archive at twoheadednerd.com. But hosting like that, it ain't cheap. So, we are rethinking how we're going to host it. And for now, we want to thank donors like Allison York.
1: She's been with us for a long time. Yeah, we love Allison. She's super sweet. Thank you, Allison. That's very nice of you. Go. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to our good friend Andrea Shockling, who got a great write-up in the freaking Comics Journal this past week. She's famous! I know it. Word to you, Andrea. I will link to the interview and her website in the show notes, but... Everyone, get to AndreaShockling.com now and check out her amazing art and comics. She is
0: yeah. super Throw some talented. cash at that girl. She deserves it.
1: Until next time,
0: true believers, remember to pre-order your comics or your retailer just might love up on some of your issues without wearing any protection. This is the Two-Headed Nerd
1: signing off. They might want to put their stank on it. Ew.